I want to talk today about um, like what is your block? What is your block? Um, if you're taking notes, I'd love it if you could scroll down. Luke uh, chapter 19, uh, we're going to Zacchaeus. Um, if you've got a Bible in front of you, electronic one or, or otherwise, uh, can you turn to it? And uh, we're going to dive uh, straight in. Luke 19 and uh, go from there. While you're getting that, I'm going to start talking to you. Uh, I'm really, genuinely, I'm really excited to be here. I'm really excited that uh, this is a new start for us uh, as a family, as a church. I'm really excited that we get to kind of pioneer a new way. We get to see what's going on. We get to see where the, where the heart is and we get to go for it, basically. And so I'm excited to uh, find this, ourselves in this new season. Um, I was quite bored when we uh, were in a season of lasts. Yeah, like last talk or last this or last... It's really nice to be in a season of firsts. And, you know, like new year, new us. And so I'm excited to go from there. We're looking at the kids. The kids is this famous man, isn't he? He climbs this tree to see Jesus. He climbs this tree in order to see what's going on. He doesn't know Jesus. He's not a follower of Jesus. He is not a Christian. He is this dude in the crowd who climbs a tree to see what is going on. And I shared this story at my interview a little bit. Um, these guys, Tom and Eliza, basically made me call, like, do a little presentation uh, about a, a scripture that challenges me and um, my ministry. And the first place I want to go to is, is Zacchaeus. I want to start a new series, The Invisible Made Visible. The God who is invisible made visible in the person of Jesus. And I think the story that describes who he is almost best is this, is this story of Zacchaeus. It throws the important question to all of us. What is our block? What is your block? What is the thing that stops you from entering into the presence of Jesus? And this story is found in, in, um, it's found in Luke, uh, Luke chapter 17. And uh, it comes at a really interesting point. The story has been told. Luke has been collating. Luke the doctor has been collating story after story, narrative after narrative of Jesus healing people and confronting injustice and setting people free and moving and calling the rich and the poor, calling those who had loads of the kingdom and those who can just add just a little bit rich and poor, those who are, you know, slaves and free, those who Jesus can gather real easy and those who are hard to, to gather. And Jesus is gathering this small group of ordinary people into an extraordinary faith. He's commissioning the unexpected. He's moving in untold, unknown ways. He's speaking to the lost, the least, and the lonely. And there's story after story of God's heart for us. And this story, this final story that Luke tells, is the climax. Zacchaeus is the climax. And it's told that we may see the heart of the God who has become visible. The God who, after this story, the next story along is where Jesus starts to become abandoned, betrayed, crucified, resurrected. And this is coming at this like, pivotal moment and it's told to trigger a response within us. What is my block? What stops me from entering into the presence of Jesus? On what grounds do I feel rejected? What hurt and what baggage do I carry into his presence? For him to restore and to heal. And we see this declaration, this love poured out. We see that with Jesus, lives are fully 
changed. And so we're going to Luke 19. I think I might have lied to you. I think I might have said Luke 17. Did I, did I lie to you or did I not? I don't know. Uh, we're going to look at Luke 19 and it goes something like this. I'm in the completely wrong Bible. Uh, I'm going to go here. Uh, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man there was uh, called Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. And he wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he, couldn't, and he could not see him over the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. All the people began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a house of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and he said, Lord, look, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. If I have cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. The God made visible comes to seek and to save the lost. There are so many moments in this story. There's Zacchaeus, this chief mafia boss. Yeah, this is not a side hustle for Zacchaeus. He's not just sort of selling a little bit on vintage. This is his main profession. This is his main thing that he does. He's too short. He wants to see what's going on. So he climbs the tree and then Jesus comes and says, I must. Now the imperative language, I must come to your house and the, the crowd begin to mutter and forgive me. I would have been one of those people muttering, you would have been people muttering, you're like, Jesus, are you having a laugh? Do you know who he is? He stole from my mum, he stole from my wife, he stole from my kids. Are you serious, Jesus? You must. It's interesting. And then there's this repentance. Here and now, if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I give back four times what I've stolen. Half my money to the poor. And then Jesus says, today salvation has, has come to this household. Let's just pick it up in um, Luke uh, 19, 2-4. Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. Again, he is a nasty man. He is a nasty, nasty man. He's not, it's not an ambitious stereotype he's living out. He is treated this way because he is famous for extortion. He's a Jew robbing other Jews, extorting tax on behalf of an occupying Roman Empire. And it says that he wanted to see Jesus, but because he was too short, he couldn't see over the crowd, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree. It's like a little oak tree in today's world. See, what is hard about this story is that we all do the same. We all believe it may not be our height, but there are stuff, and there is stuff that is holding us back from Jesus. Knowing his present to a greater extent. Doing business with him fully. And I'm sure it's got something, if you're anything like me, it's got something to do with not feeling like you're worthy or not feeling like you're okay or doing better or being better or becoming more holy or when this happens, this will be. And I wonder what it is for you. What is your block? What's blocking you from knowing the full presence of Jesus in your life? Is it a perceived lack of time? Is it a belief that you're never going to get it right? So what's the point in trying because I can never be loved? 
You're going through a real hard time right now. Life is difficult and quite honestly, you're mad at Jesus. Is it your questions that you're worried? What if they're true? What if my doubts come to life? What if it makes someone else doubt the Christian faith? See, there's a key. It's about height, but it's not really about height. It's about his social standing, his status in the community. He is so unliked that there is not a single person willing to be kind. Not a single person willing to say, come and see the person of Jesus. A few years ago, there's a picture I want to show up. There's a picture of um, the tour of uh, Britain. Anyone see this down Queen Street? Uh, we live down the bottom of this road. Anyone see this tour of Britain a few years ago? And uh, basically, um, these guys came bombing down uh, Queen Street. It was amazing. And I remember when it happened, like these crowds were like gathered in and uh, it was a really sweet moment. Actually, everyone was like, can you see, can you see? Okay, well, like, get in front. And I, I kind of had this awkward moment where I said this like quite small man, like, do you want to go in front of me? And he's like, no, why don't I go in front of you? I was like, oh, um, no reason, you know. And he looked at me like I was a horrible person, but he was sure it wasn't my problem. And um, it was a really sweet moment where everyone was like, come on, you go in, you go in, you go first, you go first. Not so is true with Zacchaeus. It's interesting that Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus is one of the only men in the Gospels that makes the first move towards Jesus. It's fascinating, isn't it? Wherever else Jesus goes, he advances towards people. Think about the woman of the world. Jesus advances towards her. Think about the disciples. Jesus advances towards her. Think about the crowd. He goes and he advances towards them. Yet not so is true with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus hasn't stumbled upon Jesus. He has heard that there is something going on and he wants to see. He is so desperate to see that he would put himself up there as a target. Are you telling me that if there was a man who had been cheating your family generation after generations... That you wouldn't be shouting abuse if you just sat there. Just a little few short man comments. A little bit of mocking. A little bit of teasing. A little bit. Are you telling me you wouldn't be tempted to throw something at him? Is that just my bad character or is that just a collective thing? You know, like, uh, he's putting himself out there to see Jesus. He is making himself a target. How many of us know that there are friends in our lives that are doing the same? How many of us know that there are youth in this city that are desperate to know who Jesus is? They're desperate to see who he is. Yeah, they're not climbing trees, but they're looking for love and affection in one night stands. They're desperate for spiritual encounters, so they go and play with, you know, mediums and other things, or wanting direction, so looking at tarot cards, or wanting acceptance, so people pleasing with their boss and their family and their loved ones, or so desperate for stability that we trust in the banks. Zacchaeus is an external sign of what we all do on the inside, what we're all really desperately doing. And it's fascinating that this city, Jericho, this city was never meant to be rebuilt. The city that Jesus is in as he meets Zacchaeus, it was never meant to be rebuilt. It was built upon a curse. The story of Jesus is this, that he will walk through your darkest of days. He'll walk through the dark places in your lives, in your most broken state. He doesn't avoid the awkward, the difficult, the you know, unusual, the uncomfortable nature of your, of your broken humanity. He advances towards it. And he will bring you life. Like Zacchaeus, he calls us not by what our deeds deserve, but he calls us a son, a daughter, calls us by what his deeds 
did for us on the cross. A few months ago, um, I'm not a gardener. I, I, I admire you if you do gardening. That is not me. A few months ago, I was um, planting some strawberries. Strawberries are beautiful because basically, um, if you have strawberries, you just shove them in the ground and they grow. It's amazing. Like they're meant to do that, right? You shove them in the ground and they grow. And uh, what happens is once you get one plot, the next year you get five plots because they spurt out. And so I was planting strawberries along our front wall. We live at the bottom of Queen Street, as I said. And... Um, I thought it'd be really nice to basically plant these strawberries so, like, students could, like, pick some strawberries on the way to school, or, like, you know, people on the school run could, like, pick some strawberries and have some strawberries, and the neighbours could have, like, we have hundreds of strawberries. And so I was planting these strawberries, right, and um, along the front wall, and uh, as I was doing it, the, the, the kids ran up the road and they were like, Daddy! And so um, in that moment, I had my AirPods in, and we were taking them out and putting them on the wall. And I put them on the wall, and then... Um, they were kicking off, so I tried to like do my best, like get all my things in, and um, yeah, like, kind of take them into the house, and that was that was that. Um, so you know, we did that, brought stuff in, and then um, had uh, tea time with the kids, and then I'm, I'm in this like some friends of ours. We play uh, poker once a month. It's just for pride, not for cash. Uh, don't worry, uh, my pride is <laughs> hurt every time. And so uh, we, we probably broke it. And um, I remember basically coming in at about, I don't know, half past 12, and texting the boys, got to the house, started texting the boys, saying, like, thanks for a good night. And as I did that, as I was cycling up to the house, um, my phone kids with my AirPods, and I was like, that is weird. Why am I? Didn't think any of it. Got in and chucked my, my bike in the garage, got into bed. And uh, this is like, I don't know, maybe like quarter one, one o'clock at this point. My mind is going and going and going and going. If you think I speak fast, I think faster. My mind is like going, right? And so I get into bed and I do that thing that we all do when we get into bed and our minds are racing, like kind of infinite scroll. Yeah, like scroll, scroll, scroll. And Law is like, quite rightly, so she's like, she's like, babe, can you just go to sleep? Like, this is like quarter past one in the morning, now half past one in the morning, like, I want to go to sleep. Okay. And like, so I was like, I don't do. I, I put my AirPods in. So I pick up the AirPods and I open the case and they were empty. And I was like, Ah, realize what happened. Yeah, we ran the clock back a couple of hours. So did that thing that we all do: um, pajamas over uh, joggers over pajamas. Went out in the front garden and I started digging for these AirPods because they weren't on the wall and I could see on my phone the Apple um, your app. You can you can tell where your stuff is. Um, if you don't have an iPhone, you can join the 21st Century too. You can buy them from the. And uh, I was like, so I was searching for these and it was pinging like I could hear one of them pinging and eventually I found it buried in the strawberries. I was like, that is weird. You know, like, your brain, like, something isn't right, you don't know what isn't right. And my neighbours probably thought, like, who is this nutter, like, gardening in his his pyjamas at half past one in the morning? You know, like, so I'm digging around for these airports, digging around, digging around, found one of them. And I was like, ah, that's weird. So anyway, I could see the other one at 4%, so I marked it as lost, and uh, got got back into bed. And this is, like, half past one, quarter to its point. I, I, I opened back up my phone, one airport in, open up my phone, and the last app that's open is find my, you know, my stuff. And I, what, I, what I see is, I see this airport walking around the city. And I've got to be honest with you, I didn't have a very priestly response to this. I was mad at this point. I was like, it clicked. I was like, someone has nipped my airports. Like, someone has stolen them. Uh, I, I kind of like, I saw red. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I was cross. I was really cross. Again, got out of bed, joggers over pyjamas, got in the car. I was like raging up and down the city in the car trying to look, because you know, like, 
at that time I'm on, there aren't many people around, so they're, they're kind of like they're jumping like 100 meters there and 200 meters there and four, and so I'm racing around and it was weird, right? So they're going down on dark patches in town, they're going down in the alleys, they're stopping off at weird places. It's all a bit weird, right? And so eventually it lands on the milk and more man, you know, the, the milk delivery driver. And so I get out of the car, like drive the car as fast as I can, screech the brakes on, brakes on, get out of the car, and I'm like, can I have my AirPods back? And the bloke's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I said to him, yeah, all thieves say that. And he was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I was like, just give me them back. Like, I said to him like, Come on, mate, just get, like, give them back. You're like, I don't know what we're talking about. So eventually, I'm like, I can prove to you you've stolen them. Open up my phone, open the map out, and as soon as I did that, they moved again. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I made a really big mistake here. So I, I apologised profusely, told him I was from Belmont, no, I didn't. And, uh, you know, I was really, I was like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. You know, like, had a bit of fun. And, um, Eventually they moved on, they moved on, they moved on, they moved on, and eventually they landed in this alley, right? And as I kind of, I'm, I'm pretty cross at this point, it's two o'clock in the morning, Laura's texting me like, are you still alive? And <laughs> I, I'm still at the end of the alley. And eventually what happens is these, um, just little ears in the, in the building, the, um, there was these two uh, women that work into the night that kind of start walking up the alley with them, their, 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 their male friend. And um, I go to them and say, like, I'm really sorry, I think think you might have my airpods. She's like, no, I don't. And I say, well, I, you know what, I can track, you, you've got them. And the bloke then got really upset with me. He said, are you police? How are you tracking me? And that wasn't, that wasn't particularly kind of good to know. But it, eventually I said, look, I, I, can, I can tell that you've got them. And then she, she rummaged her bag, she threw on the floor, she rummaged her bag, and all sorts of stuff fell out. And um, she picked the, my airpod up and she said, is this yours? And I said, yes, it is. I took it and I, and I kind of ran back into the alley, jumped in the car and got home. It's amazing the lengths that we'll go to for stuff that doesn't really matter in life. Yeah, how much more is Jesus hunting down lost and, uh, and lonely souls? How much more is Jesus calling us valuable than these stupid pieces of plastic? How much more valuable are we to him? Like how much more is he wandering down the dark alleys in order to bring life where there is death? How much more is Jesus moving afresh and anew in order to bring us life in abundance? How much more is Jesus calling us, the church, to go down those metaphorically dark alleys with the youth of this city to love and to care and to show that we have a better story for their lives? You know, it's fascinating, this cultural context that Jesus says, I must come to your house. The cultural context of this is he's saying, the man that you hate, I accept. It's fascinating, Jesus is saying, the man that you despise, I'm for. Which is interesting, isn't it? Because so often the people that we despise or we struggle with most is not our children, but it's us. He wants to play drums. That's what he wants. Um, yeah, you can get that in a minute, okay? Uh, the people that we despise most are not the, the, the kind of people outside us, but it's often us. You know, we kind of say, like, they can be forgiven, they can be loved, but so many of us, when it comes to us, do we truly believe it? You know, Jesus isn't just being really culturally sus. He isn't being culturally shocking for drama's sake. This is Luke putting on the full force of the God who has made visible. 
The invisible God, the heart behind the God who is invisible, made visible in the person who is Jesus. Not to make good people better, to provide a bigger ivory tower that we can look down upon the world, but in order to show all people that the purpose of Jesus was to make bad people good. This story, I think, is so powerful because on our worst days, we can be reminded that he is a good father. His heart for us is way beyond measure. That the safest place, the safest place that we can be is when we seek him out. When we pass ourselves out there like the kids and we see his power move again and again and again. I want to allow me this. Our ability to determine the proximity of God is so often determined upon our emotions upon the state of our days and weeks and families and what's going on and what's not. But Jesus, he calls us to know his proximity based on his steadfastness. Zacchaeus walks up that road not expecting much, yet Jesus meets him. We believe we exist to be a community, to retell that story to each other each day. To retell that story of Zacchaeus to people who walk these city lost and broken and hurting. To be the people that will go out and all out for the young people of the city that would never normally hear that there is a God who is for them and loves them. That is why we exist. I guess none of us have done what Zacchaeus has done. But we all need to be reminded that we have habits and traits and beliefs that get in the way of a life lived fully with God. And today I want to say, what is your block? What is your block? And how can we unblock the block in the lives of those people around us? Do you want to stand? We're going we're gonna to pray together. Do you want to stand?